Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. I want to read this story, and uh, I, really, I really believe, uh, you've heard, some of you heard me preach this message before. Um, I have a little bit of new revelation on it, and I just felt like I needed to put this in the adulting uh, series um, I'm entitling this the seventh hour. Somebody say the seventh hour. The seventh hour, the seventh hour. Seventh, the number seven all throughout the Bible is very important. Um, now, I am not a numerologist in a sense. I'm not, I'm not uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people can get up here and, you know, there's this many, no- and this number means this and this. Uh, I just know seven is God's number. Anybody know that? <laughs> Come on, that, that, you know, you're at six, and you're like, let's get to seven, right? I mean, and, and really, uh, you know, we, we know that, uh, you know, it's common knowledge in our world that 666 is the number of the enemy, but also really the number six is the number of man. And so uh, this is, this is uh, a new hour in your life I'm believing for. I'm believing for the seventh hour over this house. I'm believing for the seventh hour over your life. Um, and, and if you want to believe that with me, you grab a hold of that today. And I'm believing, in, in other words, I'm believing for God's hour over your life right now. I'm believing for God's timing. Who, who needs some God's timing in your life right now? Who came here for God? Who, who, who's done with their timing, the sixth hour, and is ready for God's timing? And so I'm entitling this the seventh hour. I, I, I believe in the seventh hour is where we see miracles. I believe in the seventh hour is where we see what we've been believing for for a long time happen. Anybody been believing for something for a long time? You've been believing for something. Maybe you've been believing for breakthrough in your finances. Maybe you've been believing for relationships to be healed. Anybody ever had a strange relationship uh, with family or friends that, you know, you had all these great relationships going well, and then that one just kind of went south. In, in, or maybe there's that one relationship that you got to talk about some stuff and it's under the carpet right now, but there's a giant lump under the carpet or maybe the lump is not under the carpet. It's in your body. Maybe you came here sick today and I'm, I'm believing for the seventh hour, God's perfect hour over your life. I'm believing that in the seventh hour, miracles happen. How many believe we serve a miracle working God? You know, it's, it's, it's happening to you. Come on, I'm believing for it to happen in my life. I'm believing for the seventh hour over this church. We just got our building, but I'm believing we're going to get in that building soon. We're going to see tons of people come into the kingdom. We're going to see new people sign up for DNA and, and being leaders and being a part of fellowship groups. We're going to see people check out from checking into church once a week and say, man, we're going to be the church. We're going to love on our city. We're going to fall in love with what God has given us in our lives. I'm, I'm believing for the seventh hour over your finances, over your families. Man, everything could be going really great until your son or daughter gets in the fifth grade or goes into high school or graduates and doesn't know what they're going to do next. I'm believing that whatever hour you feel like you're in, I'm declaring from the Lord the seventh hour over your life. And how many guys know it's not about what we feel, it's about what he says. And you may feel like you are in the fifth hour, but I'm declaring over you the seventh hour 
over you. People are already crying because you are believing. Man, you thought you were coming here for a reason, and you did come here for a reason. God wants to give you a word today. One word from God can change everything. If one word can form planets, then one word can shift your entire atmosphere in your entire life. Come on, grab a hold of a word today. John chapter 4, verse 46. Uh, I want to read this, and this, this moment declares the seventh hour over this man's life. And uh, I, I want to show you how uh, he had to adult on the in-between. Once more, verse 46, he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official, somebody say royalty. Huh. We just got done with that series in this house, huh? Do we have any royal officials in this house? Come on. Do we have any people that are royal in this house? A certain, we don't, we don't even know his name because his name's not important. It's his position. The certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. How, how many of you know that, you know, brokenness is all over this city? We don't have to go to Skid Row to, to necessarily find brokenness. We can also go to Beverly Hills. Uh, the same brokenness that exists in Skid Row will also exist in Beverly Hills. And the biggest mansion will exist the same brokenness that exists in the smallest tent. Because when sickness comes to your house, it affects you no matter how much money you have. Because there are some things that money cannot buy. You may have the greatest doctors, but if the doctor is telling you, I don't know what to tell you, there is no hope. And this royal official who had men and women that would move at the sound of his voice, this royal official who wasn't even the same culture as Jesus, wasn't even a Jewish man. He was a part of Rome and the, the, the government of Rome, and he had made it through the rankings of of being a soldier and a citizen, and he was hardened, and he was tough, and he was strong, and he had, he had authority in his voice. He got to a place where even he needed Jesus. We will all come to a place somewhere in our life where we will start searching for Jesus. And this royal official started searching because the one thing he loved the most, his son was sick. And we'll find out very shortly that his son was so sick, he was close to death. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived, come on, somebody say Jesus arrived. Now, let me let you know something about this church. We're going to work on our worship. We're going to work on our preaching. We're going to work on our systems. We're going to work on our programs. But the world that is hurting won't come to this church because of systems, programs, or a CD, or a podcast. They're going to come to this church because they find out Jesus entered the building. Notice the man didn't show up to the house because it was a nice house. He didn't show up to the house because it had great reviews on Yelp. He showed up to the house because Jesus was heard to be in the building. There is one thing we can't do without in this church. His name is Jesus. You can do without this man. It doesn't matter who preaches in this pulpit. It doesn't matter what songs we sing. If we got Jesus in this place, lost people will show up in the groves. 
your co-workers, your boss, your family members will show up because they heard Jesus had hit the room. I wonder how they heard that Jesus was there. Because wherever Jesus is, word spreads quickly. And the man had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, Judea, and he went to him and he begged him to come heal his son who was close to death. And so Jesus did exactly what the good pastor should do. He looked at the man with, with loving eyes. You know, the other day I was, I was in um, my, by my house, which is also, you know, just in the arts district, and uh, there was a homeless man sitting on the side of the road, and I was in a Toyota Tundra, the church Tundra, and, and, um, and I was just driving, and, and the homeless man came up to my window, and so I just felt like I should roll it down. So I rolled down my window and to see what he needed, and, and he leaned in really close. I mean, it's not, you know, really close. I mean, it was like almost driving for me. Leaned in, and then on his breath, I could smell alcohol and, and other things. And he leaned in, and he said, tell me it's you. And this Johnny Cash, deep voice, and I said, it's me. What else did you expect? And he said, I've been sitting right over there. This is crazy. And I've been praying that Jesus would show up. And here you are. <laughs> and so I said, get in, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. No, he's <laughs> been following me ever since. <laughs> I mean, we got this picture of Jesus, right? We got this picture of Jesus that he looks like me, you know, this painting, <laughs> You know, the long hair. And, you know, I went to Columbia and people would stop me and take pictures with me. And I was like, man, this is awesome. They, they, they must know about fearless until I realized they thought I was Jesus. People literally thought I was I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Like, I'm not Jesus. But we got this picture of Jesus. I mean, he's like in this painting. He's like just looking off into the distance, happy, and just kind of contemplating. You know, we get this, this picture of Jesus that he's always just super nice. He doesn't want to offend us. He doesn't want to hurt our feelings. And so then we bring that to church. Like, you hurt my feelings, so you must not be a Christian. You stepped on my toes, so you must not know Jesus. Life isn't about our feelings. This, this man comes to Jesus with a real problem. And according to the word, Jesus does not act like the Jesus in the picture. Jesus looks at this man. Now, now look at this. Uh, Jesus looks and says, sir, look, my son is sick. Verse 48, Jesus responds to the man who is a different culture than him. Take this in for a second. Chris comes to me, who's Hispanic, and he says, pastor, I need you to pray for my son. And I look at him and I say what Jesus says to the man of a different culture. Unless you people. You people? I just see myself. What, what are you talking about? You talking about all of us? I can get all my cousins here and we, we you uh, what kind of white boy are you? you, you look, that's pretty... That's offensive. I'm not telling you to go around and offend people. I'm not telling you to be racist. I'm, not, I'm just saying, Jesus 
throws out this offensive line. Unless you people see signs and wonders. The guy's like, I don't want any signs. I don't even wonders. I just want my kid healed. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Wow, that's a, wow, that's a different Jesus. Are you sure you've seen that Jesus in there? I'm like, what, what, what happened, Jesus? Do you eat some bad, do you get some bad coffee? I mean, what, what happened? Is this not your best day? Jesus offends the man, fully offends the man. Now listen, this man is a royal official. He is not lower than the Jewish Jesus in status. Let's take it another level. The cop pulls you over. He's about to give you a ticket. And he says, wait, can you pray for my son? And I look at the cop, who's a different culture than me. And I said, unless you people. Oh, what? Okay, we're writing the ticket. Right? I mean, this man could have asked Jesus through armies and rankings, get in the vehicle, you're coming with me. But Jesus doesn't care. He looks at the man and fully offends the man that, that has humbled himself to even ask. And why does Jesus do this? Because Jesus is checking if the soil is worthy of the seed. He's testing the man's heart to see if there's any offense there. Not because Jesus is mean or wants to offend, but he's testing the soil for rocks. Because he's about to plant a seed in the soil that will bring a harvest. And as you see, the man has no rocks. He just says, the royal official said, sir, still calls him sir. Come down there before my child dies. Verse 50. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word. Somebody say at his word. He departed from there while he was still on his way. Somebody say, I'm still on my way. Come on, I took Jesus at his word, and I'm still on my way. Come on, somebody said, I took Jesus at his word, and I'm still on my way. You thought I came to church today to hear a nice song. You thought I came to church today to check off a box. No, no, I heard Jesus at his word, and I am still on my way. Somebody ought to shout today, because you are not in the wrong place. You are in the right place, and you are still on your way. You've been beating yourself up the whole time because you thought you didn't do a few. No, no. Devil, you're a liar. I'm still on my way. I might be barely on my way. I might be halfway there, but I'm still. I'm not where I'm trying to get to, but I'm definitely not where I started. I am still on my way. You ought to throw a party on the in-between. You ought to celebrate just a little bit for the fact that you're still here. You're still breathing. You're still moving forward. A lot of people gave up. If someone else would have had your life, they would have quit a long time ago. But you are still here. You are still moving forward with hurt and rejection and fear and anxiety. You're going to drag these things all the way because you're going on his word still on your way. 
You were chosen for this. Man took Jesus at his word. Come on, it's as simple as that. Taking G- If you take Jesus at his word, all of hell has to get out of the way. If you take Jesus at his word, the same word that formed the planets and the solar systems, if you take that seed and you plant it, it's not just going to produce a harvest. It's going to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold what was sown. That's why Jesus was excavating for rocks. See, some of you thought that that pastor just said that or that leader just offended you. No, God was checking for rocks. You're wondering why your miracle hasn't came because he hit a rock. Remove the rock and get ready for the seed. Remove the rock and get, don't get so caught up in the little things. Don't get caught up. Come on, I didn't think Jesus would say it like that. No, he said it like that, but he said it like that to check for rocks. What's still there from your past offense, your past hurt? No, that person wasn't just that weird. That was weird. Okay. You must be checking for something. But you know what? You ain't going to find anything in this soil. I'm taking Jesus at his word. And I'm still on my way. The Bible says while he was still on his way, his servant met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired to him as of what time his son got better, they said to him, It happened yesterday at the seventh hour. It happened yesterday in the seventh hour, which is one in the afternoon. The fever left him. Then the father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So we, when he and his whole household believed This is the second sign that Jesus performed after coming to Judea, to Galilee. This story is amazing because it displays for us in real time the in-between. When God gives us a word, and we take that word, and we pass the first test, and we're excited about that word, and the word has been planted in us, and we believe it, and we're watering it, And we're walking with it. Come on, I don't know if we got anyone here that has been walking with the word inside you. There's a word you got when you were 16, 15, 21, 32. And you said, man, it was that message. It was that moment. It was that podcast. It was was that time I was reading the Bible and it just jumped up. It was that time I was spending time with God and he spoke to me. And I knew that he spoke to me. He gave me a word, you will be healed. He gave me a word, your relationships will be restored. He gave me a scripture I've been holding on to. Your business will grow. Step out in faith. And you took that word. Some of you moved here with that word. You moved from small towns. You moved from big towns. You moved from all over the world to come to this place with a word from the Lord. You said, man, I didn't have it all figured out, but I had a word. I don't know when it was going to happen, but I had a word. And I took that word and I began my journey. Didn't it feel really good at the beginning of the word? Remember then? You you probably forgot now. You were telling everybody, I got a word from God. You were Instagram posting about it. You were putting up tweets about it. You were blessed as the Lord. You were blessing people. You didn't have money to bless, but you just, hey, come on. I'll just buy you lunch today. Why? Because I got a word from the Lord. Where are we going? Chick-fil-A, but come on, come with me. 
You had a word. You were moving on the word. You were passionate about the word. You couldn't stop talking about the word. Every conversation you got in was about the word. And you began the journey because Jesus said to go. It's funny how easy it is to start. And how difficult it is to complete. Because there's this little thing as you go on the word, as you're still on your way, that comes called the in-between. It's not where you used to be. It's not where he promised you to be. It's somewhere in no man's land. It's somewhere on the in-between because this man got a word, but the word wasn't finished because Jesus said, your son will be healed. So the man just began to walk. He didn't even quite know what that meant. Maybe that meant when I get there, I'll pray for him. Maybe in three weeks, I just have to trust that what Jesus said is going to come to pass. Jesus doesn't set a time stamp on it. He doesn't give the man hope in that way. The only hope the man has is that Jesus said it. The man starts walking with the word probably not walking fast because it's not done yet. The journey he was on would have been a 25 to 35 mile journey. Back in those days, walking, carrying his his stuff, coming with a whole entourage, the man would have had to spend the night on the in-between. Wow. What a picture of adulting. What a picture of life. God gives you a word and you believe it, and then here you are on the in-between. Ten church on the in-between. Smiling on the outside on the in-between. Waking up, dragging yourself to work on the in-between. Reading your word on the in-between. The man would have had to spend the night on the road of blood. This was the Romans' road. It was also called the road of blood. It was the same place where we hear the story of the good Samaritan, where uh, there was a man who was a Jewish man who got beaten beyond living. He was robbed. He was left for dead. He was on this same road. So on this road, it would have been treacherous. On this road, there there would have been ups and downs. There would have been hills. There would have been Places for robbers and thieves who come to steal, kill, and destroy. Hiding along the road. The road that Jesus sends the man on was not the well-taken road, the well-trodden road. It was a scary road. It was a dangerous road. Just if you ever think that God has called you to safety, you've missed this God. He will send you into a dangerous environment. Because he knows you've got his word and he's on the road. I'm sure around every corner as the sun went down. I don't don't know if the sun has gone down on your word. I don't know if you received the word in the daylight. Now you're in the midnight of your word. I don't know how it works for you, but for me, weird things happen in the night. For me, when it gets dark, the things I wasn't afraid of in the light become something different. I can imagine the man wondering in the dark because he had lost his vision in the dark, wondering what was around. What were the sounds and the noises that were going on at night as he set up camp on the in-between? I don't know if you've ever had to set up camp on the in-between, but this man had to pause on the in-between. He, he actually had to survive 
on the in-between. It wasn't his home. It was temporary. But he had to make a temporary home permanent for a night. He's waiting on the in-between. See, it's in that midnight section of the in-between that voices will come in the dark. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard voices in the dark. I mean, the voices that will say, I don't know if God really said. Are you sure that word was for you? Are you sure that person who spoke it even knew God? I don't, you probably made this up. You, it's probably just something you wanted to do. You were, it was probably just a coincidence. It just happened to be that you saw that scripture at the very time you needed it. This is the moment that Satan comes in and he did, does to you and I exactly what he did in the garden. The first thing he tells Eve in the garden is, did God really say? I know he said, but do you think he meant? And Eve lost everything on the in-between. Why do we think now the enemy's not going to try to do the same tactic on us in the in between? When you start hearing those voices, you better know those voices are not from God. God does not come in and question himself. God is not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. He is not questioning what he said to you on the in-between. Just because the sun went down doesn't mean the sun went down. The sun is still sitting on the throne high and lifted. His word is still powerful. The same word in the daylight will be just as powerful in the midnight. Just because you don't see it does not mean it's gone. And what God told you, he told you. So in that midnight, someone come to your tent and start whispering. Are you sure? Are you sure? I think you should turn around. I think you should go back to Jesus and get another word. I think you should maybe, maybe, maybe just wear a certain shirt so the pastor calls you out and reminds you of the word. Come on, you, 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 need to, you need to open your Bible and play Bible roulette so God can speak to you again. No, no, this is what the enemy is trying. He's trying to get you to, to dull down what God already said to you. You grab a hold of that old word. Come on, I don't, I don't need a new word. I need to start living off the old word he already... He gave me a word. I don't need a new scripture. I don't need another sign. I don't need to be driving on the freeway and looking. Oh, hopefully you give me a sign. That's why he was checking. Are you sure you're not looking for signs? The Bible says wicked and perverse is a generation who seeks signs. You know why he says that? Because we've joined with the enemy's voice and start looking for signs. I need some signs. I need some signs along the way to remind me that you are who you say you are. You know what I need? I need faith. I need faith, not a sign. I need faith on the in-between. I need to stir up the faith I've already got. This is why the Bible tells you just the faith of a mustard seed could move mountains. Look, can I tell you this? You don't need more faith. You need to plant the faith you have. The faith of a mustard. God's trying to tell you, you don't need a lot of faith. You got enough faith. Just plant it in the soil. Make the choice. I'm not turning around. I'm going forward. Look, God didn't give you any back armor. He gave you front armor. The breastplate. Well, that's the front. The shield. Well, that's the front. The belt. Well, that's the front. He didn't give you back armor. Why? Because we're not meant to go backwards. We're not meant to go back and... 
Can you imagine? You go to the doctor, and the doctor says, here, take this, do this, and you'll be healed. You go back, you know, before you even get the medicine. Hey, this one, I was standing in line. I got nervous. I got nervous that maybe what you're saying isn't going to happen. Did you take the medicine? No, I didn't. Did you go a day? No, I didn't. I was just in line. I was in the waiting, and in the waiting, I started getting nervous. I started hearing voices. The doctor says, okay, we need some more pills for you, and there are different kinds of pills. You know what we need in the church? We, we, need, we need a new thing. It's called the gospel. We, we, need, we, need, we, need, we need a new pill, and it's the pill that will send us forward. <laughs> I don't know. That was like a te- cheesy dad joke right there. I am almost 40. Come on, get, bear with me. I don't know where that came from. That's not in my notes. The gospel. See, it's on the in-between. It's the waiting on the in-between. Isaiah 40, 29 uh, says this. He gives power to the weak. Maybe you're burned out today. Maybe you're relationship, relationally burned out. Maybe you're emotionally burned out. Maybe you're physically burned out. Maybe you're spiritually burned out. The good news, take this breath in. God is good for giving strength to those that are weak. But you got to be able to admit, I'm weak right now. He gives power. Come on, somebody say power to the weak. And he, and he gives to those who have no might. He increases their strength. Even youth shall faint and grow weary. Young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord, come on, say it with me if you know it, shall renew their strength. Come on, I'm sweating up here and you're not sweating yet. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I've been waiting on the Lord on the in-between, and it seems like I'm getting more tired. Been waiting. I've been waiting. When is it going to happen? I'm single and ready to mingle. I'm avoiding all the apps that will get me in trouble. Keeping that Bible app close. Swiping right on that. And where are you at, Lord? I've been living in the same environment for a long time. I'm tired of roommates. We risked it all and moved here, and now we have no savings. When are you going to replenish that, Lord? When are you going to give me back what I lost for embracing your voice? I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the healing, going to the doctor, singing sick, worshiping sick, praying sick. When's it going to happen? I know it's going to happen. You're right on time, but you're not on my time. I've been waiting. And you promised that if I wait, you'll give me strength. So I'm waiting. And this is what most of the church looks like. But we've read the verse wrong. This word to wait on the Lord is not like this. It's that of a waiter. It's a different word. To wait on the Lord, to be a waiter on the Lord. Yeah, tell me, if you go to lunch today and you're a waiter, hey, come on in. I'm waiting for you to get here. Keep waiting right here. You want some salad? There's some in the back. Chef, sometimes we'll cook it for you. 
Make sure you tip on the way out. I need a good tip, at least 20%, maybe 25, because I'm a good waiter. No, that's not a good waiter. A good waiter is like, hello, sir. So glad you arrived. They call you by the name. Mr. Johnson, come on in. We have your table for four ready for you. We've been waiting all day. We've actually said no one else can sit here, only you. We've prepared it. we got all the seats ready. We've, we've ironed the linens. We've even washed the dishes. We've been waiting for you. And we couldn't wait till you arrived. And, and we've, the chef, he has some specials today. Let me sp- tell you about the specials. There is a, a arugula a salad with a crumble blue cheese and with some bacon bits on top. No, no, it's the good kind, the bacon fat. We leave the grease in there. It's imported from Italy with special bougie pigs. I mean, and, and we have special water here set up for you. Uh, I know these glasses are dirty. We're going to have to get some new glasses on this table. These glasses are way too dirty for a king to sit here. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew. You know, it's funny in the church. When we go through the waiting, we stop serving. What's the other name for a waiter? A server. What's your other name for being a Christian? A server. This is what I do. This is who I am. I'm burned out emotionally. I'm worn out financially. I'm worn out physically. But I know I got a promise from the Lord. To those that wait upon the Lord shall renew. I might have to paint my smile on today. I might have to shake your hand when I need someone else to shake my hand. But I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the people that are coming in this house. I'm serving. I'm believing. I'm Come on, maybe, maybe when you're broke, it's time to start giving. Well, I'm broke. Well, those that wait upon the Lord, God's going to renew your strength. You're not giving for me. We don't need your money, and neither does God. God's not trying to borrow a few bucks because the sun might burn out if you don't kick in. He's not asking you to pay rent. He owns the house. He's trying to renew you. He's trying to refresh you. God doesn't need your hands to move a chair. God could move the chair and build the chair if he wanted to. God doesn't need you to love on people. He already gave enough love that all the universe was in awe. But what you need is to serve God. Because when you serve God, you get in close proximity to the one who spoke you into existence. And when you get in close proximity to him, the enemy has to run. Those voices have to stop. You know what God says? Hey, uh... Funny, coming here to your restaurant, son. Thanks for waiting on me, but I talked to your boss already. He's already just brought out an extra chair. Because I don't need you to wait on me. I want you to sit with me. God is preparing you a table in the presence of your enemies. Come sit down on the in-between. God wants to refresh you. But in order to refresh you, you got to stop waiting like that. And you will find a new love for the waiting. You will find a new joy. There's something about serving someone else that makes you forget about how bad your life is. My kids all the time, oh, dad, you know, we don't have a room. We live in a loft with a treehouse bed in, in these amazing apartments with a pool on the roof. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Come on, get in my car. Let's go down and, and, and look for you a room. We'll go drive through Skid Row and say, what's that? I say, those are tents. 
Who are those people? Well, they're taking showers in the fire hydrants. Oh, you're worried about your room. There's something, there's something about serving someone else whose problem is bigger than yours that awakens the, the sleeping giant on the in between. There's something uh, that refreshes you when you realize we live in a first world with first world problems. There's something that refreshes you when you realize we got air conditioning in church and we got a nice, we, we could go to church and not go to jail today. We can go to church and no one's going to cut off our heads today for worshiping Jesus. Wow, this isn't so bad that the usher didn't say hi to me. When you start serving others, something that wakes in you and you start stop complaining and crying and you start moving forward. You get a new win. You get a second win. You get a new life on the in-between. And the man is walking on his in-between and out of nowhere pops out someone from his future. You know what this is for us? It's the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm here. You know what I'm speaking? I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak through me today. You know what I'm here to do? You thought I was here to preach. No, no. I'm just here to meet you on your in-between. I don't know what kind of midnight it was last night. I don't know how cold it got in the middle of the night, but I just came from the other side of your miracle with the voice of the Holy Spirit to you to let you know what you've been praying for is already done. What you've been believing for is already finished. Oh, oh so you clapped like you didn't believe it. You clapped like I'm a cute little preacher. No, I came armed with the voice of the Holy Spirit today, and I came from the other side of your healing. I came from the other side of your breakthrough. I came from the other side of your miracle to let you know you don't have to give up here. What you've been believing for, we're already celebrating. There are people dancing over what you're crying about. With that news, let me ask you. The man says, wait, I got to know before we move on. When did it happen? When did he get healed? Was it, was it, was it the eighth hour? The eighth hour, man, I was, I was fired up. I just encountered Jesus. And I was walking my head up. No, no, it wasn't the eighth hour. It was ninth. Not, yeah, the ninth, it got pretty difficult. I went from my head up to my head down, but I kept going. I kept believing. Oh, then the, then the tenth hour, something crazy. A bunch of robbers came my way, and I stuck it out, and I guarded the word, and I, and I pressed through. I remember the, the tenth hour I prayed. I fasted in the eleventh hour. Maybe it was the eleventh hour. That's a good hour. I think that's in the word somewhere. And the man says, oh, um, no, none of those hours. Let's see, it happened about happened about the seventh hour. What were we doing in the seventh hour? Were you doing something in the seventh hour? Maybe you were praying really hard in the seventh hour. Maybe you were really living holy in the seventh hour. Maybe God saw you in the seventh hour. He goes, no, um, that's weird. The seventh hour, are you sure? Because the seventh hour, I was with Jesus. You know what? Come to find out. It was the seventh hour. It was the seventh hour that Jesus said it. You mean to tell me that I didn't do anything to earn 
or deserve or to make this happen? Are you telling me that before I even took one step forward, Jesus was already finished? You mean to tell me he didn't need me to even take the journey? Are you saying he did it on credit? Are you saying when he promised me is when it was finished? By the time it came out of his mouth, your son was up. And we've been celebrating for a whole day. It took me a day to get to you, to let you know you shouldn't walk any further. And I understand if, if you can't run, jog. And if you can't jog forward, walk. And if you can't walk, crawl. And if you can't crawl, roll. And if you can't roll, scoop. And if you can't scoop, find someone further than you and get them to pull you and tow you forward. I understand all that. But tell me, when the man got the word that it's already done, that he walked the next five miles, that he scooted, that he just needed a lot of passion to keep moving. No, no. It was enough to know that it was finished, that I believe he ran the rest of the way home because any moment in depression now is a waste of time. It's already done. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work it. Jesus already completed it. So why did Jesus say he will be healed? when he was healed. Did Jesus misspeak? Because will be his future tense. He should have said, I guess he just didn't know he was God. He got mixed up with the Jewish language. He should have said he is healed. No, Jesus didn't misspeak. Because for Jesus, he wasn't talking about the miracle. He wasn't talking even about the boy. He was talking about the boy. Because the journey was not for the miracle. Because the miracle was already finished. The journey was for the man. The boy will be healed. Jesus wasn't just talking about the son. He was talking about the father that began the journey because it's the journey that is shaping you. It's the journey. The miracle is already complete. You're not taking the journey to make the miracle happen. It's God's part. But God is making you happen on the in-between. When you don't feel it, when you feel like quitting and you keep moving, God is He's forming you. He's shaping you. He's allowing you to be tested. The journey is to test the product. I'm done. But I do know anything that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. I don't really like flying on planes, but I really don't like flying when it's a young pilot. Pilot comes out, hey guys, how's it going? I'm like, what's wrong? Is this, this is the bellboy? Like, who let this kid in a hat? And I'm just praying the whole way. When a, the pilot comes out, he can barely even get out of the cabin. 
He's got like a limp in his step and he goes, good evening, folks. I'm like, praise God, we're going to make it all the way there. Why? <clears throat> because that pilot has been tested so he can be trusted. He's landed 10,000 of these planes, so he's going to land mine today. Anything that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. God was not preparing the miracle. He was preparing the man to hold the miracle. Because it wasn't the miracle that won the city. The boys healed and no one saved. But the Bible says when the man got there, the whole city and family gave their life to Jesus. Because it's the man, not the miracle, that will point to the miracle worker. I don't know what God's doing in you. I don't know if you catch right now that you are a miracle in progress. I don't know if you get right now that God is testing you so you can be trusted. Now let me say this. God is not testing you so he can know if he can trust you. This is what we think. Okay, God, keep testing me so I can prove to you you can trust me. God already knows he can trust you. He's the one who builds you. He designed the product that's on the journey. He's trying to let you know you can be trusted with the in-between. Come on, some of you don't even believe that God has put something great in you. He's trying to let you know, no, you can take a licking and keep on ticking. I designed you for this. I built you for this. There's more in you. You didn't quit when. You see, when you realize this, you will start praising God for people that rejected you. You will start praising God for that thing you went through when you're five. You'll say things like people say, would you rather have not gone through? He said, well, I could have not gone through it, but I wouldn't have realized who I really am, that I could get through that and I can make it through that. And it showed me that there is more in me. In Whatever you've been through, you let the devil know, oh, you thought you'd kill me with that, huh? I guess you didn't know my designer because he foreknew and predestined and put it all in me and a bag of chips. And I'm ready for anything that comes against me. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I've already been ready for this moment. You've already been ready for your roommates. You've already been ready for that heartbreak. You've already been ready for this sickness that came in your body. God built you and designed you to make it through this. Don't stop serving on the in-between. Don't stop loving on the in-between because the miracle is already done. You ought to party on the in-between. You ought to make life catch up to you. You ought to celebrate when everyone thinks you should be depressed. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.